listening to the Experts in Their Field podcast from the Agricultural Science Association, kindly sponsored by Dawn Meats. Hello, listeners. My name is Neve Bambrick, and I am the president of the Agricultural Science Association. In this episode of Experts in Their Field, ASA past president, Professor Tommy Boland, is joined by the recipient of the 2023 Agricultural Science Association Distinguished Member Award, Professor Frank Crosby. Frank talks us through his career and life to date, from growing up on a farm in East Galway, his sheep pioneering research in UCD Lines Estate, his teaching and lecturing career, and most of all, the influential and nurturing role he played in the lives of many Ag Science students. On behalf of the Agricultural Science Association, I want to thank Frank for his contribution to the podcast today and for his enormous contribution to the ASA over the years. I wish Frank, his wife Therese and their family good health into the future. Hello, my name is Tommy Boland and I'm the past president of the Agricultural Science Association. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Frank Crosby, formerly of University College Dublin and the 2023 recipient of the Agricultural Science Association Distinguished Member Award. Hello Frank and thank you for inviting us into your home here in Straffan today. No problem at all Tommy, you're both very welcome here as you always will be. So uh, let's hope you enjoy a few minutes while you're here today. Thanks very much Frank. So I suppose a big part of the reason why we're here on the 7th of September, uh, you were the recipient of the 2023 ASA Distinguished Member Award at the conference and banquet in the Killashee Hotel in Nace. And it became apparent that night there were a huge number of people in that room who had been influenced by you during uh, your career and their careers. Well, I was totally surprised when I was asked to accept this uh, great honour. And uh, I accepted it graciously, I hope, in the night. I couldn't believe the number of people that I knew down the hall. Um, half of them were past students of my own. So I, I thought they would have heard enough of me during their lifetime. But, uh, it was great silence that night and they all seemed to listen again and enjoy the few words I said. And I think, you know, um, Graham Rowntree was one of our after-dinner speakers and, and Gra- Graham came to you at the table before he got up to speak and said you should have been the after-dinner speaker for tonight. So I think it, it wasn't only your past pupils, Frank, who were glad to listen to you. It was, uh, you know, other other people within the room as well were delighted to hear what you had to say. Well, thanks, Sammy, for, th- for saying that. Graham did say to me, how can, how can we follow that, Jesus? So <laughs> that is, such, a, such is life. So, Frank, the award recognises a career's worth of achievement, and we'll talk a little bit about that as we go through our, our conversations here today. But maybe just take it back to the beginning. Can you tell me a little bit about your upbringing? You're from Galway originally, you know, a little bit about your upbringing back home, your education, and maybe what took you up to Dublin to study uh, in University College Dublin? Yeah, well, I grew up in a small farm in East Galway. Uh, typically of the farms in the area, it was a, a part-time farm, where it was an off-farm job as well. We had uh, sheep, uh, beef cattle, dairy cows, and then some tillage as well, uh, oats and uh, turnips, carrots, potatoes. It was a self-contained farm essentially to keep the household going. And on top of that then, we had ducks, geese, hens, and uh, it was uh, enough to feed the household for the year because we also had uh, usually reared two or three pigs. They got slaughtered on the farm, got salted, and they were used as required. 
So as you say, Frank, you're a really self-sufficient type of farming enterprise and probably gave you a great grounding in a lot of the principles of animal husbandry and crop husbandry which stood to you throughout your career. Well, they did, but we had our own way of doing things and a lot of things changed from what we used to do on the farm, I can tell you. Uh, at the same time as we were farming, I, I, I went to the local national school, which was in Caltra and East Galway as well. And uh, in that school, the they, uh, headmaster there and got a consignment of spades, shovels, forks, hoes, everything else, and started to dig the, the school grounds and put down in gardens for vegetables. And we looked after the vegetables, and I started that back in the 50s, and I'm still producing the veg in the 70s and 80s, and also in the this year, last year, and the year before. So, Frank, was it always kind of inevitable then you'd pursue a career in agricultural science given that upbringing? Or what brought you to UCD to study agricultural science? Well, I was second in the household, so the, the eldest boy traditionally got the farm. So I knew there was nothing for me other than out the door. So uh, my parents at least wanted to give me a secondary school education. And the, the nearest secondary school was 15 miles away then. So it's over 20 kilometres. And, and for the first year, I was a day boy. And I stayed with very distant relations in uh, Banislow, and I went to Garberley College. And in there, they had dairy cows. They bottled the milk, uh, unpasteurized, and delivered it to the households in Banislow. And I spent most of my evening, every evening, delivering milk around Banislow. As a result, I did no study. Uh, now, the cop on very quickly back home. And then I was tied up after that and put back into the border for the last four years. And during my time there, I had an ag science teacher that I was delighted with. And he really influenced me. Uh, from my national school, I could uh, rattle off all the weeds and the botanical names as well as everything else. So I had a good start going into secondary school. And by the time I was finished, ag science, I did in secondary school. I said, well, I want to be involved in agriculture and my aim is to be a teacher. And I suppose, Frank, that uh, that early education, that work ethic is something that stood to you right throughout your career because it's, I suppose, always something I would have recognised in you as a student and a postgraduate student and later a colleague in University College Dublin with that you know, strong interest in, in education, but also that, that strong work ethic. And again, we might revisit some of that later around some of your adventures in lines and construction of research facilities and so on. Yeah, no problem at all, Tommy. Uh, after finishing the, the Leaving Cert in uh, Garberley, uh, we just didn't have enough money at home to put me through third level. So uh, as a lot of people did in those areas, we took the boat from, from uh, Dunleary to Hollyhead and I immigrated to England. Uh, I worked in Manchester and I worked as a bus conductor in Manchester. And uh, after about five or six weeks, I realized that I could put enough money together to pay most of my college fees. So I came back and I um, went to Galway and if you did uh, one subject to Irish in Galway to start um, my agriculture and education, you got half fees. That meant a lot to me at the time to get half fees. So I uh, studied botany through Irish, which means I know very little about botany now. I can tell you the names of things in Irish, but it translates into English is not as easy. And uh, I suppose from that, uh, I realized that I ran out of money before the end of term. And so in the following three years, I went back and worked from McAlpine on the buildings, 12, 12 uh, hours a day, seven days a week. I made a fortune. 
and uh, I was more than able to pay for my way for the last three years in college. Is that the McAlpine of the McAlpine Fusiliers? That's the McAlpine Fusiliers. Um, I mightn't be a good singer, but we, we made an effort most mornings in the minibus going to work to sing McAlpine Fusiliers. It's still there to sing. I've said it many a time since then. And Frank, then you, you, you finished your, your undergrad education in UCD and... You took up a postgraduate uh, opportunity in Lyons. I believe you worked with Professor Gordon, is that correct? Well, I worked with Professor Gordon. I was uh, one of the lucky ones that got a scholarship after uh, the final year. In the, I got a demonstratorship. There was four demonstratorships given out that year. Uh, for my work in, in college, I actually got, got third place in the class, so I was the second last person to pick up that scholarship. Uh, believe it or not, I had just started a job teaching in a convent down in Castle Comer in Kenny, and uh, I was only uh, three weeks there when this scholarship was offered to me. So, uh, in a way, I was glad to get out of it because you'd be amazed at the subjects ag, ag people are asked to teach. One of the subjects I was teaching was physiology and hygiene to leave themselves girls. They were only about three years younger than I was. So doing something like that, and any girl listening to me now will say, oh my God, somebody that has done ag teaching and physiology and hygiene to leave their girls, in a way I was glad to get out of it. And so that brought you back to Lyons then, was it? For that brought me back to Lyons uh, with Professor Ian Gordon, and uh, I started uh, doing research work on uh, the uh, immature uh, cells in the ovary, uh, picking out the oocytes, and culturing those in a culture medium and following through the development of the chromosomes, going through the, the meiosis, mitosis and so on like that and documenting when each thing happened, examining the embryos every two hours around the clock. So I did several 24-hour shifts uh, around the clock at Lyons and we eventually put two very good published papers together that were published back in those years by Gordon and myself. And uh, after that then, uh, I was uh, headhunted again, I suppose, in a way, to, to go to Warrenstown to teach uh, ag science in Warrenstown. Uh, now, it wasn't just ag science, it was a mixture of animal husbandry, crop husbandry, mathematics. And that was a real learning curve. Because after qualifying, I thought I knew it all. After the first year in Warrenstown, I realized I knew practically nothing when I qualified, and I knew an awful lot at the end of first year. So, Frank, I can uh, see that doing those 24-hour shifts during your own postgraduate didn't put you off the concept of 24-hour shifts. I remember doing a few myself when I was doing my postgraduate studies with you in Lyons. After Warrenstown, then, you, you, you spent many years in Warrenstown before you came back to UCD? Uh, I spent uh, three years in Warrenstown first, or three and a half years, and then I came back to do a PhD, and then I went back to Warrenstown again for a further two years, and after that, uh, I got a job back in um, in UCD, where I stayed for the rest of my life for 32 years. Uh, what was the subject of your PhD studies, Frank? The subject of my PhD studies was embryo transfer in cattle. Uh, believe it or not, it wasn't it wasn't cheap at all. And I was heavily influenced by uh, a team of three people. It was Ian Gordon, Morris Ball, and that's Professor Morris Ball and myself. Um, we worked on the non-surgical transfer of embryos to heifers and we aim to produce and uh, have heifers producing twins. I did the embryo work and Morris did the other work and the transfers and so on like that. So I built up a huge uh, bit of experience in uh, examining embryos and deciding which ones were viable, which ones were not 
and then getting them and having them transferred to the cattle. I finished up on the embryo work by, by splitting some embryos with the micro-manipulator which we had just bought and tried to get maybe two calves from the one embryo and uh, that was interesting in itself as well. But then uh, the job came up in uh, teaching sheep at Lyons so my embryo work kind of went down the drain and the sheep work blossomed after that. Yeah, so that's probably you know maybe surprising for some of our listeners that your 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 career started with cattle there from the research side and some really cutting edge work at the time, Frank, that you've just described to us. But you're probably more synonymous with the sheep industry uh, in Ireland, and I think we mentioned on the night in the ASA there recently that your career not only coincided with but was central to the development of the national sheep industry. So can you tell us a little bit about those early days when we were seeing that big growth in the sheep industry and your your working lines and your, I suppose, knowledge transfer work as we call it now? Well, when I went to Lyons, there was a, a fairly primitive sheep flock there enough. There was a flock of 350 uh, breeding ewes, which included hill ewes and, and replacements of one kind or another. And uh, there was uh, practically no housing. There was one house used for lambing. Uh, there was no real sheep house. There was no handling unit. Uh, we used to do the, the dipping in an inspection pit in the garage. Uh, so it was a, ter- a terrible situation. Uh, in those years, I can tell you, there was no overalls or anything like that. You got as much dipping yourself as, as the sheep got. Uh, so I set about trying to raise uh, funds to build a decent sheep house, which we built a 12-bay shed, which you know only too well about now, Tommy. Uh, we also built the handling unit, and later on we put together the plans for the, the nutrition shed. And all of those got heavily used in the research. Uh, at the time that we built the houses, uh, there was a great interest in, in nationally in the development of the sheep flocks. Uh, at the time, there were only a little over 30,000 sheep farmers. That went up to about 53,000, I think, at the top of it. And uh, the flock size went from about 50 or 60 up to over 100 uh, in the 80s and 90s and the early 2000s. Uh, more sheep were left outside. And there was very little good information on the proper feeding of sheep that were housed. So I got involved with Chagas, or maybe Chagas got involved with me, I don't know which, to do some early experiments on the housed sheep and f- feeding them different quality silages, different levels of concentrates, and uh, different levels depending on whether they had singles or twins or triplets and all that kind of stuff. And we put a few good documents together that were seen by many as the blueprint for the sheep industry nationally. Uh, I did many a seminar, and you see the advisors having the the tables up in front of them and as I'd be talking they'd be looking at the stuff that I had published and uh, as it happened with the seminars I did and you, we might talk about that later on and they would never put me on at the beginning or halfway through it was four speakers I always had the, the hind tit end I was always put on at the, at, the, at the end of it because they were afraid that I'd cover the stuff that they were going to talk about. And I think that's both the, the, the value and the quality of that work, Frank, is, is still carries through to today where a lot of that um, data you generated and that team of postgraduate students working with you generated still forms a central part of how we feed house joes during late pregnancy. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. And don't get the impression that I did all the work myself. The labour was very scarce at lines. There was one, one farm worker and one technician. But the vast amount of the work was done by the postgraduate students. 
And although I didn't have much of an income to support students, I always had maybe two and three students and sometimes four students each year. And uh, they had various programs and they worked as much as uh, I worked probably. And uh, the postgraduate students knew that if you came to work with Crosby, you earned it. But you learned a lot at the, at the end of it. And um, most of them enjoyed it. They all pretty well all got the masters, but not all. Uh, and then we, we moved on from there. So Frank, in addition to that time you spent traveling the country and speaking at seminars, you also organized, uh, I suppose, larger scale industry-wide sheep events at Lines over the years. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, where that came from and just some of the work that went into it? Well, quite early on in my career at UCD, I was invited into the Farmer's Journal by the then editor, Paddy O'Keefe. We had a meal together and the purpose of, of the invitation was to talk to me about the possibility of putting on a national sheep event and he'd like to see it put on at lines. So I was kicking for touch a little bit because we were only uh, ready to start building the shed and uh, we eventually got the shed built anyway in 1984 and I finished up by saying yes we'll, we'll run it and uh, it was the end of 84, we landed on the, the 15th of November 1984 which is very late in the year and uh, we had an excellent attendance at that sheep event. So then the name got around and uh, we decided we'd run it then every second year and we ran it in uh, 86, 88, 91, 93, 95 and then gave it a break in, in the, uh, at 95 and it did a final run on 2010, the year, the year I retired. Uh, at, the, uh, at the sheep events, uh, we used to have lots of stands, uh, up to 100 stands at one stage, including the, the sheep breeds. And the attendance uh, started at a very strong level and we'd have up to 10,000 people uh, coming there on any, any sheep day. So everything was essentially to be seen. It was like a mini uh, RDS uh, event. So it was a huge national event. And around the same time, uh, uh, they started doing Sheep West in Athenry. It was a little bit maybe of a competition between the two, but nonetheless, uh, we kept the sheep events going at Lyons. They were always well attended and there were great events and highly educational. And maybe we'll talk a little bit more, a little bit more about some of that research, Frank, because in addition to the postgraduate students who were who were working with you, uh, and I remember this from my own times working as 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 a PhD student, which it, there was also an army of second year students who used to come out from Belfield, and I think was probably a big highlight of the four years in UCD was the lambing in lines and the the parties that went along with it, and you know, you you kind of brought all that to bear. You you started that process, and you know, first of all, maybe. Why did you need so many PhDs, or why did you need so many undergraduate students to support the research? Or what was going on? Uh, what was going on essentially was uh, there was a lot of labour involved in the kind of research work we were doing. Uh, we did a lot of milking and uh, evaluating the colostrum that was coming in relation to the dice that we were feeding, where we'd milk uh, three times in the first day. So we needed a lot of hands. And I went to the second year students and I told them the kind of work we were doing. I said, we need a lot of hands on the ground and we'd be inviting people to come out and do a 12 hour shift and uh, to do that at least four or five times. And uh, that there'd be no payment, they'd be well fed. And uh, we either took them back to their home base in Belfield 
or in later years we set up sleeping accommodation in lines and we had sleeping accommodation in my own home here for the girls because uh, I was a bit fearful of having the boys and the girls sleeping overnight over there on their own. So we broke the girls here uh, in groups of four during the day and when they'd come out of the beds in the morning another four would go into the same beds. So it was rough and ready. So they enjoyed it thoroughly and the only payment they got at the end of it was a decent barbecue, a decent meal, which was either in the college or more often than not it was here in, in my own house here in Straffan. And um, that they thoroughly enjoyed completely because there was always a few drinks that they would get as well. And uh, the aim was that they wouldn't drink too much. So they often talk about that and even still when I meet people they say there's a lot of things I have forgotten but one thing we think about is the lemming dinners. They were absolutely brilliant. So you were ahead of your time with a lot of things, Frank. It seems like you had a very early stage Airbnb going here as well, where you were flipping the rooms fairly quickly, having lots of people coming through. Yeah, well, we had lots of people coming through. And of course, uh, we had the proper planning for that. It was just as students would like to stay and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned there some of your students learning, or well, all your students learned a lot. Um, you know, I, I was one of those students. I learned a lot with you. Some of the things I, I, I still uh, use. Some of the things I've tried to forget, maybe, Frank. But, you know, I learned about putting clasps on sheep's bras and stuff like that. And, you know, we kind of laugh about it now, but it was really, that was quite innovative, I thought. And it was very important in um, terms of allowing you and, and Natalie, myself, to do that sort of research work. And probably had some support from home as well in developing those. Uh, well, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't be the main one that designed the garments, I can tell you. My, my wife is a home economics teacher and uh, she was handy at the sewing. So we went over one Sunday and we measured several ewes to see what size product we might make and how would we get it in a way that lambs couldn't suck. And uh, so we came back and designed the, the well, students call them the brass afterwards. I don't know what I called them. Maybe it was something else. I had no idea. Uh, anyway, we designed those and put them working. And they were absolutely excellent. In actual fact, we had students over from the UK and they wanted to get the design and the models, which we had nothing other than the few measurements we took. So anybody that wanted the design, what I did is I gave them a new one, put it into an envelope and let it off. And uh, they were used on several places around the UK as well. And they'd have to go and make their own, of course. And as, as well as the students uh, working with you there, Frank, the postgrads and, and the undergrads, you know, two people to stick out in my mind who would have been centrally involved in a lot of that work are Pat Quinn and, and Stephen Lott. You know? Yeah, well, they were the two. Pat Quinn was a technician and Stephen Lott was working on the farm there. And he was excellent, absolutely excellent. Uh, he was very well educated. He knew exactly what was what, as did Pat Quinn. Uh, strangely enough, I was actually teaching Pat Quinn in Warrenstown as a student when I taught in Warrenstown and then I had him as a, my technician for the rest of my of my working life, you could say, over over at Lyons. There were two excellent support people. You could always depend on them. And we've spoken a good bit about Lyons and the postgraduate work, Frank, but you also spent a lot of time in Belfield teaching the undergraduate students and, you know, a very strong commitment to those students. Um, but also expected good high standards from them as well. Well, uh, in Belfield, Belfield is where I was, I was really based. And I, I had the full course of uh, sheep husbandry in Belfield, teaching the various degree programs there. Uh, I was a kind of um, a bit stiff maybe with some of the students in that I demanded uh, total silence during lectures. I told them that they could sleep if they wanted to, but they weren't to interfere with their neighbours and that they weren't to snore. But other than that, uh, everything was fine. Uh, and the attendance at the classes was absolutely magnificent. It was brilliant for the for the sheep lectures. And what's more than you that a nine o'clock lecture was a nine o'clock lecture. It wasn't five past nine lecture. 
and 10, 10 to 10 finishing was 10 to 10, not 5 to 10, and they appreciated that. So they were there in time, and they could get 10 minutes to have a chat after, afterwards themselves. And in addition to the lecture, and Frank, you, I remember from my early days on staff in, in, in UCD, you were very much involved in the examination process, particularly the, the collation of the exam marks and, you know, going to each student in detail to see, you know, to make sure that every student was getting uh, their, their just rewards for what they were doing. I remember those big spreadsheets that we all used to study coming up to the exam boards. Well, we had the spreadsheets and uh, I used to do a lecture or two uh, telling students before the exams how they would be marked. And if they wanted to get 100% in a question, what they would have to say, and if they said half it, I'd say that I'd have the points, and they get half the marks and so on like that. So they knew exactly how to get top, top marks. Uh, I think I was very pro-student in that uh, after the exam, well, actually on the morning of the exam, uh, almost always I would uh, go into the, the common room where the students were worried hell. And they'd ask me, is this on the paper? Is that on the paper? Is something else on the paper? I said, I know nothing about what's on the paper, but I'll answer any question I'm asked in relation to knowledge. If there's something you don't know about, ask me now and I'll, I'll give you the answer. So that I did. And uh, I was probably one of the few people that actually went to the students on the morning of the exam and says, here I am, ask me what you want. And uh, they, were, they were happy with that. Okay. Uh, I, I was very much for the students, I think, because I always went to the board meetings and if a student needed an extra mark or two to go from a pass to an honor degree, I would do my damnedest to see where can I find it in a question or had, could somebody else give the extra mark or whatever it was. I think that's something, you know, maybe the students don't realize just how, how, how much people are working for them to get them those higher marks as opposed to sending them the other way, perhaps. Well, I'm, I'm sure I raised some people, I got some people raised, and I probably shouldn't have, but anyway, that's how it works for people. Uh, well, those, those degrees will still stand, Frank, so we don't need to worry about that today. No, absolutely not. Another part of your, your career, maybe more, more, more laterally, would have been your involvement with the Agricultural Science Association, um, your involvement there in terms of you know, eligibility and maintaining the, the, the scientific principles at the centre of the Agricultural Science Association. And, you know, I think it's fair to say you see that association has been valued and important in the industry. Well, I was a member of the ASA all my life. When I was in UCD, I was a member of the ASA. And even at the end of my time in UCD, when I moved away a bit from the, the real academic teaching, I became head of the department as I was for, I don't know, six or seven years or something like that. And uh, even then, I used to try and encourage students to join ASA whenever they got a, an opportunity to join. Uh, I, as I say, was a member all my life. I would never go and uh, put my name forward for uh, auditor of ASA or president of the ASA or anything like that. I said, no, 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 I don't know many times I said no all, all along the way. Uh, but I, I was on council. I uh, initially, uh, after I actually retired, Karina Pierce rang me up one day and said, she says, I'm going in as, as, as the new president. I want to see you coming as the team, part of the team. Will you, will you come? And I hummed and I hawed and I says, well, I am retired. And she says, oh, yeah, but do it for one year. So I did it for one year. And then I didn't realize, but I was there for three years. Now, I have no memories of putting myself name forward again after that. But I found myself doing another three years. And then that was six. And I was breaking the rules then at that stage. And then a final year, just do one more. And I did one more year to brought me to seven. So I think I ran into COVID then at that stage. I'm not too sure exactly how it came to an end, but it did come to an end anyway. Uh, 
Uh, but it was time to let somebody else go and do the stuff that I that I was doing. The ASA, the conferences were were brilliant, and they. Uh, the seminars in between and the the days out and all that kind of stuff. They were a huge learning curve and great to get to know people. And people, once they got to know you and you did a good job in whatever work you were doing, it, it stirred to you. And you never know when somebody had phoned you up, they might have a job to offer. So uh, that side of it, the camaraderie, the meeting the people, being involved in the industry, it's brilliant. And uh, all students should think about it uh, positively at least. Um, be- before they say no. And maybe just to, to, to build on that, Frank, as we come towards the end of our conversation today, for young graduates entering into our industry, you know, do you have any words of advice from them or for them? How do you see things having changed over the last 30 or 40 years or do those same principles still apply when you're starting out in your career? Well, the same principles fairly well apply. Uh, thinking of my own scene where I, I studied and cattle research, cattle embryos and so on like that and finished up in chief, I'd always say to students, whatever you have been trained in, don't see that as your future career. A lot of people, and you'd be amazed if you were to look at all the people that started in one area and finished up being excellent lecturers and teachers and researchers in a different area altogether. What is important to me is that whatever area you're working in, whether it's research or teaching, that you do an excellent job and don't just sit back. And even as undergraduates, don't waste your four years in college. Put what you have into it, get a good degree and move on from there. Whatever your first job is, it might be the one that you'd like to get. Take it. Do a good job. You'll always have an opportunity to move away from that. And whatever you do, I'd say do it well. I think that's good, solid advice. Frank, I mentioned to start, we're here at your home in Straffan. Uh, we're, we're in the sitting room here and I can see pictures of your family on the mm. walls. And at, it was great to see at the um, ASA banquet on the 7th of September, you know, a lot of your family there and some of your friends and colleagues who you'd worked closely with over the years, Andrew Kinsland, John Shirley and others as well. So that support network has always obviously been uh, very important to you. Uh, totally important to me. All, all throughout my career, uh, in the papers, John Shirley was a, a big, a, a big player there, and he published lots of stuff in the in the uh, Farmers Journal uh, over the years. Uh, later on, when it came to people influencing you in your research work, um, my two great icons were probably uh, John Robinson at the Rowett Research Institute, a well-known uh, nutritionist and a tremendous supporter and advisor. He was over with me many times. I went over to visit him. I visited the Rout Institute. I saw the, the pinning there and that's where the plans came from for the individual pins at Lines. Uh, and uh, Andrew Kinsley came on later in the year. And between Andrew Kinsley, John Shirley, John Robinson uh, and Michael McHugh as well, who is an, an advisor in, in Monaghan at the present time, uh, were were huge in I gaining information from them. They gained information from me. Uh, they always came to the seminars if the code that I was doing, and uh, I would go to any seminars that they were doing. Uh, I should say as well when you mentioned our family there, uh, I know the four boys that we have. We have four boys. They are all behind me on the wall there with their with their their degrees. And one of them did agriculture, another one did engineering, another one did uh, computer science, another one did hotel management, all different and all working today in different areas. So uh, they also helped out at Lyons and um, they all were over at Lyons, involved in the research work when they could and involved in the sheep days as well that we ran from Lyons. 
maybe we might have to do a volume two of this podcast at some stage in the future but it, it does does speak to you know the depth and the volume of work you've you've, you've got through in, in your career and i think you know something i've taken from today's conversation is just how important um those people you work with right throughout your career have been well, they were hugely important, and many a time when I talked to John Robinson, he'd finish up by saying to me, now, Frankie says, I've told you more than I know myself. So I have sometimes said that to farmers at farmer meetings as well, and they just go and have a laugh, because I know very well that what I'm saying probably isn't true, but I want to go home anyway. <laughs> well, Frank, I'll take that as a hint now. You probably want to wrap this podcast up as well. So, Frank, on behalf of the Agricultural Science Association, thank you very much for welcoming us into your home today, for sharing your time so freely, and for all your support of the ASA over the years. Thanks, uh, Frank. Well, thank you, Tommy. And uh, I know you've been uh, over three years with me at Lyons. You were one of the great workers at Lyons, and you went on to do your PhD, and now Professor uh, uh, Tommy Boland. And also, uh, the other person who did a PhD was, was uh, John O'Doherty, and he's also Professor John O'Doherty. So I'm hugely delighted for some of the postgrad students that I had, how they have moved on themselves and made a great career for themselves in the academic life. Thanks, Frank. <laughs>